The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. Our show will educate you about OA's 12-step program so you recognize the symptoms of compulsive eating and find the support you need in a program that works to help you control your eating behaviors and maintain a healthy weight. In this next hour, you will realize you're not alone and that there is hope for recovery and a whole new life free of obsession with food and weight. Now, here is your host, Naomi Lippel. Good afternoon and welcome to Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous, a 12-step solution to compulsive eating. I'm Naomi LaPel, Managing Director of Overeaters Anonymous, also known as OA. We're presenting this series to educate you about the OA program and how it's worked for those who struggled with their eating and weight. In OA, we believe that compulsive eating is a disease that affects a person on three levels, physical, emotional, and spiritual. So recovery also occurs on these same levels. We're devoting shows to each of these. Today, we'll be exploring emotional recovery and what that means for OA members in terms of their self-esteem, relationships, ability to cope with life, and overall happiness. Before we begin, I'd like to read an excerpt from the book titled Overeaters Anonymous. This is from Appendix A, A Disease of the Mind, written by psychiatrist William Rader, M.D. The remarkable thing about OA's success is that the program gets people to function far better than they ever have in their lives. With any other disease, you're lucky to get back to where you were. With the compulsive eater, not only do you get back to a normal weight, but more importantly, your life is changed, and in a sense, you're ahead of where you were before. Now you have tools of feeling, touching, caring, loving, sharing, being honest, and looking at life in an understanding way, not fighting it, but going along with it. Once you treat the illness, you have the potential to be a more together person than you were. With that in mind, today we have three guests from OA, all of whom have long-term success with stopping their compulsive eating and maintaining a healthy weight. Since anonymity is an important principle of our program, we'll only be using their first names. So first, let's welcome Gail from Virginia. Hi, Gail. Hi, Naomi. Welcome. I understand you're maintaining an 80-pound weight loss for over 11 years. Is that right? Uh, Yes, actually. Um, I'm into my... Twelfth year. Wonderful. So, what was what was it like for you before you came to OA? Tell me a little bit about um, your history as far as food and compulsive eating. Well, I, I discovered that I was a compulsive eater um, back in 1980 um, when I started to manage a restaurant, uh, and I did attend uh, OA um, at that time, and. Uh, 
did follow a food plan, but I did not um, actually embrace the 12-step program of recovery. So I did not recover in the 80s. I came back in 2000. And, hmm. uh, and do you have some examples of what your obsession with food was like for you? Well, um, I was pretty much like a, just like a constant eater, I guess, if it was available. Um, then I would eat it. I wasn't particularly a binge eater. Um, and uh, so, for example, with the restaurant, um, I worked eight-hour shifts. I would pretty much eat, you know, throughout the shift. Um, so it's more, it was always the availability of food. If it was, if it was there, I would eat it. Right. And, and so it was just really any kind of food. You didn't have any particular trigger foods. Well, um I don't, I guess I would always say that, you know, dessert certainly was a trigger. Um, dessert was always a, a trigger for me. But yes, I could, I could, you know, just eat pretty much everything. Yeah. So what are, what were some of the emotional symptoms that came from your compulsive eating and your compulsive behaviors around food? Well, what, that's really what brought me back, Naomi, uh, in 2000. Um, I was really a, quite an unpleasant uh, person. Uh, <laughs> I was very unhappy uh, with myself and, and took that out on pretty much everybody around me, but uh, primarily in, in my home, in my relationship. And, um, and one day my partner just said, you know, what happened to you? You used to be so sweet. And I received a gift from my higher power at that second to say, I have to go back to OA. And uh, so that was the beginning for me. Yeah. And um, so you said that the emotional issues affected your relationship. Were there er other areas that you saw that were affected emotionally? Well, uh, you know, things that I came to realize over these last 12 years um, in thinking about this program today and and thinking about, you know, what kinds of questions you might be asking – when I, when I came back and did my first fourth step, I was focused on, you know, my resentments, my fears, and to a lesser extent, harms that I had done. But in the, in the years since then, I've uh, found that I've been able to do some in-depth uh, fourth step work about uh, character defects that I just was not able to recognize in myself early on. Um, my work history, which has really um, changed the kind of an employee that I am. Um, I've done work work um, with Fourth Steps on belonging, and I'm currently in the middle of doing one on relationships. So um, it is a uh, a program that uh, that never gets stale. There's always more work to do. Right, and so just to remember, or just to remind our listeners. And step four is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And so what you're saying is you actually use that step continually to That's take correct. a look at your emotional state, your emotional balance, what's going on in the, in the moment. Yes. Very good. What do you think food and eating was giving you during that time when you were compulsive eating that you weren't getting in other areas of your life? Did you did you have some discovery about that when you got into OA? Yeah, I would. I, I definitely would say that companionship was part of it. It was uh, food. Food was a friend. Uh, food was uh, a higher power because food was what I turned to when I had to 
deal with any kind of an emotion. If I was sad or if I was angry or if I was happy, which I wasn't too much, but, you know, any occasion, of course, I thought that the only way you could celebrate an occasion was with food. Um, so, you know, food, food was sort of the answer to anything that came into my life. So it sounds like you were pretty isolated from other people. In, in, yes, different, most, from different periods of time and particularly in the years um, in between 90 and 2000. Um, I was very isolated and, you know, it says in our literature that, uh, you know, embracing and working this program that uh, you find a host of friends and that's certainly been uh, true for me. Yeah. Did you... Um... Did you ever seek therapy or any kind of counseling before you found OA? I did not, uh, but OA enabled me to um, go to couples therapy after I got into OA. Um, I was never willing to um, do anything like that, but um, because OA does enable us to, you know, look at our side of the street, it it enabled me to have the strength to go ahead and go into couples therapy and uh, and accept you know the things that uh, we learned about our relationship in there. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious, when you were in therapy, did issues about your eating come up as well? Um, things you discovered. So I, I guess I'm wondering if the therapy was a good support for being in OA, and OA was a good support for being in therapy, and they worked well together. Well, I guess, I guess that I don't. I, the therapy was not so much specifically about um, about food because I had stopped eating compulsively by the time I began the therapy. Mm-hmm. Okay, which of course is one of the major benefits of coming into OA and working the program is that we no longer have to eat compulsively. Yes, I, I'm wondering. Um, Sometimes people say that, uh, you know, first they had to put down the fork, so to speak, mm-hmm. and stop eating compulsively before the other, they were able to really address the other levels of recovery. Did you find that was true for you or was it kind of everything happening all at once or you addressed the emotional issues first and that helped you to put the food down? No, I, I thoroughly believe that we do have to put the fork down first. Um, my... Uh, Ability to refrain from compulsive eating has been a gift that I've been given from the beginning, but you can only do that if you're willing to put the fork down. And uh, so, yes, um, that definitely has uh, enabled me to continue recovering in emotional and spiritual ways because I um, went ahead and decided to... um, except the idea that I was, in fact, powerless over food. Interesting. Did you, did you find that the excess weight you were carrying was protecting you from intimacy, from getting close to people? Yes. And um, it, I'm, as you said, you know, I'm about 80 pounds below my top weight. Um, when I uh, lost my first uh, 50 pounds um, and had to buy some different clothes, that was a little scary. Yeah, tell me about that. What was what was scary about that for you? Well, you know, I, I guess it was just, um, 
a, uh, a physical change that uh, I hadn't believed was, first of all, I had not believed it was possible. When I came into OA, I just never, ever thought I'd be a normal size. And so to, uh, you know, move into, you know, move out of the big X's and into the regular sizes, it was, it was just uh, a little scary. And it, of course, because those of us who have dieted and then regained the weight, it's like, oh, if I buy new clothes, am I really going to be able to wear them? And uh, so it's, it's quite thrilling now to be able to wear the same clothes uh, multiple years. Yes, and I bet shopping is uh, for clothes is a more positive experience now than it used to be. <laughs> very, very much so. I'm, truthfully, I'm not a big, uh, uh, big shopper, but yes, it, it used to just it, well that I would be just angry. I would just go clothes shopping angry. Yeah. Wow. Um, so when you're feeling vulnerable emotionally now that you've um, been recovered from compulsive eating. How do you cope with it? Do you ever well, feel like you want to, to turn back to the food, or, or what, what do you do now that's different? Well, I will say that, you know, most days I'm relieved of the compulsion. But, yes, occasionally something will hit me, and my first thought would be, oh, a little something, you know, might take the edge off of this. But, thank God, that's not the direction I go in. I use the tools. I, I use the tools every day. Um, as a regular routine, um, probably five tools on a, on a regular morning basis. Um, but I use all nine of our tools, which you know, I'm sure you'll be listing at some point. But uh, that's the first place I go. I pick up the phone um, and generally commit myself to make it through the next 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is I, I, I need it to be. And uh, that's, that's the first place I go. Yeah, so it goes it goes even beyond one day at a time to sometimes one one minute at a time even That's or twenty right. minutes at a time. <laughs> That's right. That's great. Because life throws things you know, it's the unexpected stuff that used to just throw me, you know, and the only thing I knew to do was eat. Um and yes. now I have other things to do and um so at at any given moment, um you know, just being just being willing to pick up the phone and uh, and say, "Hey, you know, I need a little help right now." And there's always there's always help available. Very clear. That's great. Hey, it's time for us to take a short break. So we will continue talking with Gail after the break. This is Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channels. Stay tuned. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with OA member Gail about her emotional recovery in the OA program. Um, so, Gail, you were talking uh, before the break a little bit about some of the tools you use, and mm-hmm. you said you pick on when you feel like you might need some help or, or you're going through a difficult period. What are some of the other things that you do? Well, on a, on a daily basis, um, besides uh, making, a, making my phone call, I make a very early morning phone call, commit myself to an abstinent day, and then I uh, have a quiet time, which involves using the literature and writing. Um, I also write a plan of eating for myself every day. Um, I'm quite involved in uh, service, so uh, I do something service-related pretty much every day. Uh, Our newest tool, the action plan, um, is really good um, either when I have a lot of things that are coming up and I need to make a plan uh, or just if I have something that I don't know how to do, um, I use the action plan to help me figure out steps to you know, get through whatever that process is. I uh, I have a sponsor, and um, I am willing to sponsor when when people ask me. Uh, I go to meetings, of course, and uh, practice anonymity. So wonderful. And how have you grown emotionally as a result of being in a way? Like, how has your life improved, particularly well, on the emotional level, but really yeah. in any way? Well, you know, um, I'm glad you did ask that question because one of the things that when I came back, one of the things that I said I was never going to do was service. Um, I had no willingness to help anybody do anything. And so uh, making little baby steps into service uh, right from the beginning because my uh, sponsor said that, um, you know, I needed to do that if I was going to recover. So... Doing service and then becoming willing to learn how to do service, uh, and uh, always having people in the pro- people in the program that have gone before are always willing to help when we're trying to do service, you know. And uh, you know, I've been able to learn from other people, and that sort of thing was very difficult for me before. I figured I was supposed to know how to do it, and if I didn't know how to do it, then I wasn't even going to try, you know. Yes, yes. Um, so it sounds like you really have gained, in addition to recovery on, on all three levels, you've really gained a, a, a network of support for your life. Yes, that's, that, that's really true. That's absolutely true. Uh, tell me a little bit about balance and keeping that physical, emotional, spiritual balance you know that that three-legged stool that we talk about, um, with the three legs being each each level of recovery. How do you how do you keep balance in your life? Well, you know the um, uh, having a quiet time in the morning is something that I was not doing prior to OA, and that is very helpful because I just really have a chance to take a look at what is coming at me today and uh, get myself ready. Um, OA also helps to make decisions when you're 
faced with too many things to do and to set priorities, and that that's really been helpful for me in, in balancing. And uh, so I, I think that the, those are two areas that, uh, that help with the balance. And then, of course, if I'm not eating compulsively, if I'm not overeating, um, it helps remind me not to overdo in, in any other area as well. Right. So there's kind of like red flags. Exactly. I know we've talked about in the program um, HALT, H-A-L-T, mm-hmm. don't get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And there's probably other things you can add to that list, boredom <laughs> right. or uh, afraid or like that. So there's kind of, you, you watch for those flags, it sounds like, and then you're really proactive about yeah. mm-hmm. about handling them instead of kind of being a victim to what's going on in your life. Yeah, I think that's that's well said. Very good. Well, thank you very much for being with us, Gail. Well, thank you very much for asking me to do the service. Oh, it was my pleasure. All right. Our next guest is from Michigan, and it's Eric. Are you there, Eric? Hi, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for being with us today. Very glad to be with you. Thank you. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your history with eating compulsively. Um, my journey started um, almost 50 years ago. I have always used food as a way to say I love you and to take care of me. Um, I have been through probably most weight loss projects and programs and diets and all that kind of wonderful stuff that's out there on the market Um tried many, many things in the past, um, learned very, very quickly in my life that food was always there, food was always available, it always said, I love you, and it never said no, um, mm-hmm. and I always used that. Um, my emotions sent me to the food um, whenever I was traumatized or upset. Um, I ran to the food, um, and at times in my life, food actually called me. Um, called me from the cupboard, called me from uh, the restaurant and things of that nature, and I, and I turned to it before I found this program. And was that something that you remember doing, like, as long as you can remember from when you were a kid, or did it develop uh, slowly over time? Absolutely, from childhood. I was actually in a program where I had to go in and weigh on a uh, weekly basis while I was in grade school. Well, that must have been traumatic. That was very, very traumatizing. And the lady who used to babysit me was the person who ran the scales. It was very, was very emotional, who ran very, the very what? traumatizing. Oh, you said the person who ran the scale? So actually, I stood on the scales and weighed me and wrote it down in the book was the person who was my babysitter as a child. Oh, I see. So it sounds like there might have been some shame associated with all of that, too. Oh, oh Absolutely. Absolutely shame, fear, uh, didn't want to go, um, had to, was singled out because I was the only one who was on this special food plan, special program as a child. Um, wow. I, wasn't, I wasn't the one who was doing the food, so there was someone else in my life who was, was um, making these special things for me. Mm. What do you see as the connection between emotional distress and compulsive eating for you? Um, for me, I was, um, you know, I, have, I am a very emotional person. And um, whenever 
Um, those emotions came in my life. They could be any kind of emotions. They could be happy emotions. They could be sad emotions. They could be fear, anxiety, um, traumas in my life. I, I turned to something to cause me what I say to fog so that I didn't feel the emotions. It was, um, you know, it actually was uh, like a narcotic, like a drug. And I use the term oh. narcotic because I'm a nurse. And I understand mm-hmm. what those medications do to you. Um, it actually was a, a way to, to, hide, to hide from the pain. Yeah, so, that, so you actually would kind of have a food fog, like, like you wouldn't feel anything. Maybe you would kind of pass out or not pass out, but I mean, you know, sleep. Kind of go unconscious, I guess, is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, um, emotionally go unconscious. I, you know, right. um, yes, emotionally, I would do that. It would be, um, it would create a different kind of barrier um, that I would focus on the food so that I didn't have to focus on the emotion and I didn't have to feel it. Yeah, and and so as an adult, before you came to OA, how did how did all of this, the compulsive eating and the emotional um, numbing, how did that affect your life? Oh well, it, it tremendously affected my life. I was my top weight that I stepped on the scales was four hundred and six pounds. Um, wow! And I I used food as a comfort, and I'm uh, I'm a nurse. I work with people, it's death and dying. I work with people who are recovering from surgery, people who are angry at the nurse because of the things that are going on, and I took that all. And then um, one of the things is around um, patients, there's always food. There's always something there. Um, A lot of families and patients bring you gifts that involve food. So um, it was always there, it was always available, and it was always a way to try to take away that pain, even though it really created more pain. Um, that was a thing in the moment, you know, uh, instant gratification. But sure. um, the long-term uh, effects were really, really traumatizing, you know. Mm-hmm. I, came, I came to this program for physical recovery. I found out in the program that my emotions were really the cause of this. And I found out through this program that the spiritual... Working the spiritual program is the way that I can, I can progress and I can head towards recovery. Yeah, so that kind of alludes to that three-legged stool we were talking about earlier um, and getting sort of the spiritual recovery, helping you with the emotional recovery, causing the physical recovery as well. Absolutely. Did you find yourself, um, I've I've heard it said that often people who, particularly who are compulsive eaters and gain a lot of weight, um, they're kind of using, unconsciously using the weight uh, as a way to isolate themselves or protect themselves from other people. Did did you find that true for you? Um, It was a barrier. It was a way to to separate yourself, yes. Um, I I don't know if it... It um, completely stopped me, as I have other other people have described in program, but um, it was a barrier. It was a way to put a, uh, a fence around you to keep you distant from other people. Um, you know, even if it goes, you know, physically, you couldn't um, get out of the house. I did. I did create barriers with that, where I would stay in the house and I would isolate myself. It creates a. Uh, it creates an isolation. And um, 
that some of the things that this program has helped me come out of, that I have friends and family to associate with, as well as people who are in the recovery program that I can associate yeah. with. Did you, did you seek any kind of therapy or counseling before you found OA? Actually, um, while I was in college, I did go to a counselor, and the counselor recommended the OA program and actually said that the, oh. the counselor would go with me to the program. Um, did I run right to the program at that point? No. Was it years <laughs> later that I finally did? Um, I can remember I decided I would go to OA, and I told three people that I was going to go. And, you know, our program is spiritual, emotional, and physical. It uses a lot of threes. And so um, I told three people I was going to go, so I walked through that meeting that first night. And um, I knew when I got to that meeting and left that meeting that I was home, that there were other people that were like me. There are other people who, who had the same disease as I have, and I truly believe this is a disease. And um, they taught me what treatment, what treatments I need in order to um, arrest this disease. Yeah. Hmm. And, and I'm curious, did you, did you have that experience of hitting bottom where you, you know, that finally got you to go to a meeting? Yes, I was emotionally at the bottom. I was emotionally spent and, um, you know, I was extremely traumatized and having a really hard time functioning in my world. And um, that's when I walked through the doors. Very good. Well, we're going to take another short break, and then we'll be back and we'll talk some more. You're listening to Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous on Voice America. We'll be right back. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories. I took pills. Eating and eating and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to the show. We're talking with Eric from Michigan about his recovery from compulsive eating in OA. 
So before the break, we were talking about that that point when you hit bottom and finally got to a meeting. So what was that first OA meeting like for you? Well, it was um, it was about food plan, and um, I was a nurse at the time, and you know, us nurses control everything. We tell people what to eat, when to eat, when to go to bed, when to sleep, when to take their medicine. So it was like I was like in that meeting, going, "I can control all this. This is not a problem. You know, I can control all this. I tell everybody else how to do this." And then by the end of the meeting, I was like, "You know, I really do have some trouble with that, and then I do have some trouble with that." And then the meeting was on food plans. And um, uh, when I came to program, we didn't have any of our literature. It was all the big book. And uh, so I got into the car, and I remember the 15-minute drive home. I'm like, oh, that really is a problem. That really is a problem. That really is a problem. And um, I added that to my um, food plan, my, my abstinence list. So I was able to stay away from those um, those foods and um, able to find that. That was back in the 90s. Um, and... Uh, then I um, moved away from program. I actually relocated, and there was no program close. And I tried to start a couple of meetings over a period of time and was unsuccessful. And then I had a relapse, um, which lasted for oh, a few years. And then I finally came back to program in 2004 and um, was able to um, find my emotion, figured out where my emotionally I was distraught, where I was at 406 pounds. Over a period of time, I, my weight didn't come off instantly. It came off over a period of about five or six years, and I've my higher power has released 150 pounds. Wow. That must feel amazing. <laughs> it is absolutely <laughs> amazing. The thing about it is, is that, you know, this is a disease of the mind, and um, I still do have um, a very... Um, my, a mind that still is in the disease process, that is, uh, is arrested on a daily basis, and I do sometimes still, you know, um, feel that I am um, bigger than I am. You know, I, mm. I, my, my sick mind is still stuck in that. But um, I, I know after 150 pounds that my higher power has released and removed um, that I am totally different, I'm much healthier, I can do more activities, and um, I like myself better, I like other people better, and they like me better. It, I, I noticed that you said, and I hear this a lot in program, people talk about releasing the weight rather than, you know, normal out there in the world, people talk about losing weight. I'm, I'm curious, what is the distinction for you? The distinction for me is is that um, before, per, before coming to Overeaters Anonymous, I tried to do this all on my own. And I have to be honest with myself that I did not do this. My spiritual program, staying connected with my higher power, is how this weight was re- why, how I released the weight. My higher power did this. My higher power mm. is the one who is helping my brain to become more sane, helping me with the serenity. And I, I tried to get serenity all by myself and it just didn't happen. My higher power has brought me the serenity through this program. Mm. Uh, when you're feeling vulnerable emotionally now, how do you cope with it? 
Um, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. One of the prayers from the big book. Um, I and just to, to interject, the big book for, for our listeners is the Alcoholics Anonymous basic text, also called, Al- it's called Alcoholics Anonymous, and the nickname is Big Book. Okay, go ahead, sorry. Thank you, Naomi. Um, uh, let's see, where were we? Um, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. I have to accept that emotions are part of my life and that I have to experience them. I can go through the emotions or I could use the food to fog and not experience them. And then later when the fog goes away, I still have those emotions in my life. So I accept those emotions and I let my higher power lead me through those emotions. And we, we have the 12 steps and I've recently had a very emotional experience where I felt like somebody was attacking me on a phone conference, and um, I immediately went and said, I can't eat over this. That is not going to make it any better, and I called a program person and asked them if we could sit down and talk. And when I was reviewing what I did with this program person, I actually used the steps. I am powerless over this. God has the power. I can give this to God. I did my fourth step. I did a searching and fearless moral inventory on what it did. Did I have anything to do with this? I did a fifth step. I talked to this program person about it. I went on and looked at my character defects. I humbly asked him to remove my shortcomings. I went through the things. Did I need to make amends for what happened in this phone conference? I used all the steps. Now, I didn't recognize that I had used all the steps until after I had sat down with this <laughs> program person. So it's become part of my life. I repeat the steps on a daily basis over and over again. I use the prayers that are uh, available in the Alcohol Anonymous book, the big book. And I am living this program. And I am so, uh, I have such serenity that um, almost anything can come in front of me and I will accept that and work this program for every single event that happens in my life. That's fantastic. And, and, And just out of curiosity, had that incident happened before program, what would have, how would you have handled it? Uh, I would have been insane. I would have <laughs> triangled in other people. I would have turned to the food instantly and tried to fog with that, and it wouldn't have made it better. I would have then had the, the original problem, and then I would have had the problem of food. Yeah, so, so what I'm hearing you say is that really, like, you actually use the steps regularly. It's not just, uh, you know, you kind of went through them once and recovered and you're done. You use them, like, maybe even every day, depending on what's going on that day. And, and it gets you through situations much more quickly and much more peacefully. So you don't have to eat over them. You don't, no. you don't have any desire to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I say the steps every day in my meditation. I do meditation in the morning. Um, I have 11 prayers right now that I have memorized and working on more that I say every morning, every evening I get in a, I get life flat and I read my literature. I write my food plan for the next day. 
I um, have a serenity um, time that I spend, and then that flows over into my next day, and it flows over into my whole life. That's wonderful. And and how long have you been abstinent or maintaining your healthy weight? Abstinent? I've been um, abstinent for eight years. Um, my abstinence has changed over time. Um, it was um, very... Um, I recognized that um, I didn't give up all my abstinence foods at the beginning of my program. I gave up most of them, uh, the white flour, sugar, um, or a lot of the big ones that people give up very early. But I found later that there were other foods that caused me to binge, that when I started eating them, I couldn't stop when mm-hmm. uh, they called my name. The food called me three times, then I recognize, I actually spend time with my higher power going, do I really need to add that to my abstinence list? And oh, I, that's great. So um, it really... My, my program has changed over time. They say people switch addictions. Um, I switch the foods that I compulse on. And, oh, I see. Um, so I recognize that, and I'm learning and growing, and, uh, and um, my life is much saner. Oh, that's so great. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to hear your story. I'm glad to be here. Okay, our last guest on today's show is Ellie from Illinois. Are you there, Ellie? I am, uh, Naomi. Welcome. Glad to have you. Thank you. How much, glad to and be. how much, yeah, how much weight have you lost and how long have you kept it off? Um, well, my current abstinence dates from February of 2002, so it's about 10 and a half years. And I'm maintaining, um, so grateful to be able to say that I'm maintaining a weight loss of 80 plus pounds. Fantastic. What was it like for you before? Do you have some examples of what your obsession with food was like before you found a way? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, um, you know, I can remember um, things like eating all the dinner while I was cooking it and then having to actually run out to the store and get more of the same food and cook it over. Um, I can remember uh, that every night was a late-night TV uh, night, and I would... Um, eat while I was watching TV. Um, I, I can remember I can remember being uh, kind of uh, crashed out in a food fog on the sofa while my little um, son, who was a toddler, was playing on the floor next to me and just kind of being um, unable to be present to him. Mm. Wow. That must have been difficult when you realized... What was happening there? It was, and it took years. Um, and I tried everything else before away. Um, crazy diets. Um, uh, oh, one, one time I went on a 29-day water-only fast. Wow. I, yeah, unsupervised. <laughs> um, I did all kinds of weight loss programs. But I just, what were some of the um, emotional symptoms that came from your compulsive eating? Well, one time in program, someone told me to watch out for Fred, fear, resentment, ego, and dishonesty. Mm, well, I've never heard of that one. And those were the symptoms, pretty much. Um, 
I, especially resentment, I was really buried in resentment and um, felt that felt that I'd been terribly wronged. Um, and also, in general, or by someone in, in particular. Well, yes, <laughs> yes to both. Both. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I was depressed. I was. Um, so I think I was suffering a low grade depression pretty much all the time, and I didn't have any idea that there was a connection between any of these symptoms and my eating. I pretty much thought that if I that um, if I could control my weight, if I could get thin, my life would be perfect and all the feelings, all the terrible feelings would go away. Sure. But then... I'm sure that's uh, quite common. Right. But then I would feel discouraged and give up because uh, the, that was the other component of the, of the disease. Hmm. We're going to take uh, one more uh, quick break, so and then we'll come back and we'll talk some more. We are uh, you're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. I'm Naomi Lapel. Stay with us. making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Okay, welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with Ellie from Illinois about the role emotional recovery from compulsive eating has played for her. So, did you tend to structure your life around food? I I did structure my life around food. Uh, my day uh, began and ended with food, and food was on my mind constantly in between. And what what do you think you were getting from compulsive eating and from food that you weren't getting in other areas of your life? Well, I I thought that food was my friend, and I thought it was comforting me. Uh, And I later found out that neither of those things were true. I remember a line from Alcoholics Anonymous, the big book, where uh, one of the co-founders of that program 
talks about about alcohol being a boomerang, uh, and that's that's pretty much my experience with food. That I thought it was helpful, and it, and yet and actually it was causing me so much pain. Yeah, what did you discover about your emotional issues that were driving you to eat compulsively once you came into the program? Well, I've learned that I I. One of the things that was troubling me most was shame, a tremendous amount of shame. And I just did some step work specifically on that issue that's been very helpful. Um, I, uh, I think I was very needy. I placed a lot of expectations on other people. Um, and... Uh, and I needed, at the same time, to protect myself from them. So I isolated with food and put you up did. a barrier. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever seek out uh, therapy or counseling I before did. you found a way? Yes. I, I sought um, several different kinds of therapy, individual and group. Um, I had myself hypnotized. And I did learn some things from therapy. I'm glad that I've had those experiences. However, they could not get to the root problem. Mm. Wow. So it really took a, a completely different approach, it sounds like. Yes. It, it took um, kind of the revolution in understanding that happened when I came to OA. To oh, really I like the way you put that. Revolution in understanding. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, did you, so when you got to OA, were you, were you at that point kind of like your lowest point that you recall? I was because I was at that point, I was 46 and I was on oral medication for diabetes and um, had a lot of other physical problems. And I had already gone on that 29-day water-only fast, and my doctor was threatening to put me on another medical fast, and I knew that I couldn't do that anymore. And the only thing left for me to try was OA, and so that's what brought me to the rooms in wow, 1989. How did you find OA? You know, I already knew it was there. Um I'm not sure how I first heard about it, but I had been aware of it for years, but just wasn't willing to take that step. Yeah, wasn't it wasn't time yet. Right. Um, how has the program helped you um, now that you've been in program for so long with your emotional recovery? Well, I would say that I have such wonderful resources in the tools and the steps of the program. I think that any... I think any emotional recovery I've had has been a result of working the steps, especially the action steps, steps four through nine. Um, it's been such a liberating process to work those steps and to be freed from the resentment, uh, the fears, uh, the need to be noticed constantly, um, uh, and the dishonesty that that compulsive eating uh, brought with it in my case. Yeah. How has your life improved in all areas? You know, 
I I am so grateful to be able uh, nowadays to take risks, to try new things. Um, I think that my chronic depression has lifted. I'm able to experience joy and gratitude. Uh, I'm able to be a trustworthy friend and a trustworthy partner for my spouse. Um, I I just have a lot to be grateful for. Mm, so wonderful. Do you do you find um, that you're able to distinguish now between what someone might call an an emotional hunger versus actual hunger? I think that I am. Yes, I think. Um, you know, well, in in the program, it was weighing and measuring my food that helped me to recognize for the first time in my adult life what actual hunger was. Ah, well. Because weighing and measuring helped me to uh, experience what it was like to eat consistent quantities of food that were appropriate. And so then I became able to tell when I was actually hungry for the first time. And that was uh, very helpful. Mm-hmm. And then were you able to also tell when you were full? Because I've heard that a lot of times people kind of lose that ability. Yes. Yes, that was what it did for me, was to help me to feel satisfied at the end of an appropriately sized meal mm-hmm. and to be able to get up from the table. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a revelation, huh? Yeah, how about it? <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. That's, that's fantastic. Well, um, we are almost at the end of our show. So thank you so much, Ellie, for joining us. And My pleasure. Also, Thanks again to Gail and Eric and uh, to all of you for sharing about your emotional recovery as a result of being in OA. I'm sure that there are people out there who will hear this and be able to identify with what you're talking about. If if you, uh, as a listener, identify with what you've heard today and think that you or someone you care about might have a problem with compulsive eating, bulimia, or anorexia, go to our website at oa.org and find a meeting in your area or call us at 505-891-2664. And most important, remember that you're not alone. There is hope. Join us next week when we'll be talking about the final of the three levels of recovery, spiritual recovery. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for joining us this week. Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until next week's program, may you find support, acceptance, and hope for a renewed life. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. 
Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.